on. Let's praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody. He woke you up this morning. Let's praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name. We just want to thank you all for coming to the house of the Lord to worship with us this morning. We give the Lord honor and praise for all that he has done and all that he's doing in our lives, in this church, in our hearts, in our families. Hallelujah. We ask that you stand with us as we go into our praise and worship this morning. We are thanking all our online viewers this morning for just taking the time out to worship with us. In the time of prayer, if you could just put your prayer request in, we are going to touch and we are going to agree with you. Hallelujah, that God will do a great work, that miracle signs and wonders will happen. Hallelujah. So as we go into our praise and worship, we want you to praise praise with us. We want you to worship with us. Hallelujah, because God is good. Who's ready for that downpour? Who's ready for it to fall fresh? Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. We're ready for a downpour. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh on us. We're ready for revival. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh on us. It's coming down. Pouring down, the time is now. We need the rain. Everybody, take me the rain. Sing, we need the rain, oh God. We're asking for your power to fall down. Please meet the rain. Oh, sing, we need the rain, oh God. hands and sing. God, we need the rain to fall. God, we're asking for your spirit to move. Hallelujah. We're ready for a downpour. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall fresh on us. We're ready. For revival, let it fall fresh, let it fall fresh on us, sing. It's coming, and it's pouring out, and your time is now, sing, we need the rain, everybody sing. Oh God, we're asking for your power to fall. 
Thus says that in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I will pour out my spirit even on your maid servants. And to everyone else that is afar off, the scripture thus says, and Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and for the promises unto you, and to your children, and to as many as are far off, even the many as the Lord our God shall call. Somebody shout hallelujah in the presence of the Lord. I'm so glad to be a part of this end time revival. That God is pouring out his spirit. He is bringing us from every creed, every nation, every tongue. Doesn't matter where your background, no matter where your birth certificate said. If your name is a name, your name from the name of Jesus Christ. I believe it. I believe that you are a child of God because you came from him. He breathed his breath in your life and your life is valuable. So it's not worth giving up on your life. We came to bless the Lord. We came to encourage you today because we are a church that is on the move. We have experienced a presence like never before today on this first Sunday in November. And we believe that there is a carryover. There is a residue of the anointing that has left from our first service to enter into our service where we will enjoy the presence of the Lord. If we can just lift our hands in the presence of the Lord, let's worship him in the moment before we pray. Let's, let's, let's lift up the name of Jesus, for he alone is worthy. And let us pray unto the Lord today for this service that God will move. And whoever need that be met today, God will reach every single one of you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this day. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be here at Christ in the church, where Christ is our central focus. Father, we thank you for even inviting yourself. You never even asked of us. You just decided to step in into this atmosphere. And we believe that, God, if two or three 
gathering together. We believe that God, in the midst of us, God, we believe God will do some things. Oh God, that eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard. He that has entered into the hearts of them, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So I pray for my neighbor next to me. I pray, Lord God, a blessing upon them. I pray that, God, you restore health to them. I pray that you restore healing to them. Whether they're going through issues in the mind and in the soul or the spirit, I speak a word of healing. I speak a word of restoration. I speak a word of promise. I speak a word of victory in the name of Jesus. In the name that is above every name, that the name that will heal them, the name that will save them. And I pray that souls will be added today into your kingdom. We thank you for bringing every family here in this atmosphere. Father, we are a growing church. We are a growing church of families, a growing church of people, a growing church of community. We pray for every single area of this community that we will reach to every masses. We will reach the masses, men of every birth. We, in the name of Jesus, we pray that God will bring down his presence, bring down his anointing and his glory. In the name of Jesus, let's lift up praises unto the Lord. Let us worship him in the beauty of holiness. For God is going to move today in Jesus' name. Let's continue to worship him with our praise team in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship him this, this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want our praises to rise this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name.
Why don't we just worship him in this place this morning? Hallelujah. Does anybody desire to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Can't hear you. Does anybody desire to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Do we need a, vis- a visit from the Lord this morning? There's nothing like his presence. There's nothing like his presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Come visit us this morning, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
him everywhere this morning, but why don't we just worship him this morning? I can feel the presence of the Lord in this place. We desire to have more of you, Jesus. We desire to have more of you, Jesus. We desire to have more of you, Jesus. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want, can we sing that out this morning? Set a fire, set a fire down, down. Oh, I want more. I want more of you. I want more. Oh, set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul.
hallelujah. Oh, bless your name, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Let's just let the Lord know much we love him and how much we appreciate him. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord another round of applause this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory and we give you honor, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And could we praise the Lord, everybody? Come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just call him by his name, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's call him by his name, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. We want to take this time out this morning to welcome everyone this morning to Christ Center Church. So glad to have you where Christ is the center of everything that we do. Amen. If Christ is not in the, uh, is the center of everything you do, you're missing out on something. Make sure Christ is the center of everything that you do. Amen. When Christ is in the midst of the vessel, you're in the ocean, you may be in the treetop, and you don't know what to do. But when you leave it in the hands of Jesus, it will make sure everything is all right. Amen. Amen. So we want to greet everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to welcome everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. So glad to have everyone in the house of God this morning. Our online congregation, we welcome you. Amen. We thank you for tuning in with us this morning. And we pray that whatever our needs are this morning, the Lord will meet our needs. You know, there are times we get invited or we may be a part of a service and we don't know what to expect. But when you come with an anticipation of don't know what to expect, God will move in the midst of your unexpectation. Amen. Hallelujah. Continue to worship the Lord this morning because He's truly worthy to be praised. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Bradley if he could come by and get ready for our offering this morning. Amen. God, praise God. Continue to worship the Lord and putting your hands together in the atmosphere of this great assembly that he has blessed us to be a part of. You're part of the greatest revival in history. I'm going to say to you, you are a part of the greatest revival that we're going to see in history. Of more souls added to his kingdom, more lives transformed, and more people walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hands together one more time in a beautiful atmosphere. Well, we would say it's offering time. <laughs> well, in offering time in the house of God, we come to give a sacrifice to the Lord of what he has blessed us with. We're here to be a blessing. We're not just here to to collect and hoard for our own selves and what we think is right, but we are here to be a blessing. And no better place to sow into, if you're going to sow into any kind of stock, the best stock you can sow in is into the kingdom of God. 
into the purpose of what God has called us to be because we're here to see souls added to his kingdom, souls transformed. What we do in our giving, it will open opportunities for us to be a part of ministries that will target specific areas of our community, of what's happening, that we need to be a, a blessing. We need to be intervening in the lives of people because people need intervention more than anything. Of course, we, we believe in the, the, the civic work of psychologists and, and therapists, but what better place to know that we can be assisting and a blessing? It is investing in the lives of people who need who need to hear the word of God, who need hope, who need who need a life transformed and the transformed presence of God. Those who are Holy Ghost filled will do that to them, for them. And we give God thanks. Saints of God, I hold in my hand a reach envelope. What we are doing right now, we're on a spiritual journey. Those who are here for the first time, we love you. We thank you because you're part of this journey with us. We consider you a part of our family because we are doing this together as one people, as one body. We thank God for what God has given us already. And what you see is what we are transitioning into. What you see right now, saints of God, look around. This is just an awesome atmosphere. It's just a taste of what's going to occur in these next few years. Whether how long we have left before the rapture come, before the taking away of the church. We're going to be yet worshiping the Lord and seeing souls added to the kingdom in that building on four tennis court. Not just too far from this location. Saints of God, I hold in my hand is a reach envelope. It is important that you understand that we're not here to take your money, just to take your money. This is a very transparent church. I've been here over a year, and trust me, many congregations that you may personally know in the past, whether your experience of having, uh, you know, in church growing up, etc., may not be as transparent, may not be as uh, uh, very open to knowing what's happening when it comes to the finances. But this church, we have been told each and every step of this journey where we're going. And I give God praise for this ministry. I straight God praise for this church for being transparent with your offering and your tithe and your giving. You're sowing into good soil, saints of God. Because I believe, as our pastor would say, God has his eyes on the northwestern area of the United States and in the northeastern region of the United States. And if revival, when it comes to population, when it comes to souls added, that needs to be added, we got to be a part of that revival. We got to need the space. To receive those who are coming, those who are going to be transformed and born into the kingdom. We're going to have weddings. We're going to have our loved ones buried, uh, celebrated in that building. We're going to see ministries birth out. We are doing it right now, but we have the capacity with the collateral to do that when you are sowing into this kingdom. And we thank you for coming, and we pray that you will be willing to sow whatever you can, whatever is in your heart to sow into this good ground. And those who are watching, you can also sow as well. And you can see the uh, four ways of giving. They're on the screen. And we're all going to stand right now. And we're going to pray today that God will bless us in our giving and in our sowing into good ground. We're going to just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now. We thank you, God for just the, the ability to have the desire to worship you. And in worshiping, we're going to give, a, give a place, Lord God, in us, Lord God, a desired work, Lord God, a sacrifice, a, 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 a something that is substantive that we're going to sow into good ground. We pray that you will bless every single one that is wanting and willing to give, whether they have it in their hand tangibly or not. 
We pray that, God, you will bless them in their going out and their coming in. We pray a 60-fold, some 100-fold, some 30-fold blessing in the name of Jesus. We know that we can sow into your kingdom because it's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about the souls of man being saved. And we thank you, God, for right now, in Jesus' mighty name, please see the ushers that will assist you in coming in to the front and sowing. And you have, our, of course, our debit and credit card machine by our little area over here, which is a great area, so you can sow into the kingdom of God electronically if you so desire, in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Jesus. Isn't the Lord good? So good to be in the house of the Lord. So good to be with all of you. Amen. Thank God for his presence. Hallelujah. I, I must tell you, we had a just amazing, amazing 9 a.m. service. And we've had a good service so far in our 1030 service, but I believe you're going to have even a better time because I believe what transpired at 9 a.m. was to give birth to 1030 a.m. and for future and, you know, works and moves of the spirit when we get out of here. So I just got to say for all of you that were in the 9 a.m. there, some of them are gone now, but some are still here. I thank God for you allowing the Lord to just touch you and allowing the Lord to move on you. Um, I believe that you are doing some things in the realm of the spirit, and we're going to see um, in, in, in years to come um, some of the things that transpired this morning in our 9 a.m. service. That was outstanding. Uh, when we just yield and let God have his way, um, you know, in our world, um, we have to always put on, and we have to, you know, try to just assemble ourselves and to just fit in with the program. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a child of God, just be a child of God. You got to not let worry about what people may think. Whatever God is doing in your life, just let him do it. You know, sometimes you're in the house of the Lord. You know, I remember, I can tell you this distinctly. I remember when I got first got into church, you know, um, in your mind, I'm not crying about nothing because I'm a man. Man don't cry. And I realized that until I allowed the Lord to touch my heart, and if tears come, they come. Until I allowed that to transpire in my life, I couldn't really get in touch with the Lord the way I needed to. And so whatever God is doing, however you feel when he's touching you or moving on you, just surrender. Just surrender. Don't, don't, don't fight him. Don't push back. It doesn't matter what, what, what you, know, um, you think anybody may think of. In this church, we're just striving to be who Jesus called us to be. And however that looks, we're not going to apologize for that. And so just just let God be God in your life and let him do what he's going to do. And don't worry about what anyone else may think about what you do. If you cry, you cry. If you run, you run. I mean, we had somebody doing sprints around this place this morning, like 100 meters. I mean, my goodness. Woo! Just think about somebody running around here like fast. I just loved it, though. I loved it. I just, I just thank God for that because I just want us to be who we are in Christ and to not feel any kind of restraint. You know, you got to deal with that when you go to work and when you go to different things and out in the world. You, you got to try to put on and be this and be that. Not in the church. Just come into church and be who God is going to make you. And don't apologize for what God is doing in your life because we want God to get the glory from the life that we live in him. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go back to the book of John. That's where we started out this morning. And we're going to go to John chapter 4. Familiar passage of scriptures. Amen. We have a baby dedication today. Looking forward to that. As soon as uh, I'm done here with the word, we will do our baby dedication. We've got Avery and Jay and Kylo or Kayla. Kylo. We got to dedicate them. And so we're looking forward to that. But before we go there, let's. Uh, we have some guests with us this morning. My goodness, a lot of guests here. Well, um, let's first, all right, we'll keep that there. I've got a lot of work to do here before I get into the Word of God. 
All right. Well, Andre's family's here this morning, and we're so excited to have them. So the him and his family moved all the way from the West Coast, all the way to the East Coast. Um, he, he, had, he brought his family to attend Princeton University, and they did their research and decided that this would be the best church for them while they're here. And we are so, so ecstatic that they chose this church. Him and his wife are awesome. They're, they're both musicians, and they have wonderful children that are just awesome. And we're so glad. And so the family's here. His grandfather, his grandmother, and his brother is here. And so we are so glad to have you. Lewis, Deborah, and Trey. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, you all uh, just look so good. You know, West Coast people always have a West Coast look. <laughs> I love going to the West Coast people. Just, they just look like, you know, just they got something else going on. And, and I take vacations and go to the West Coast because I like to be out in the West Coast. I don't want to live in the West Coast. I'm a Northeasterner. But I love to go to the West Coast. We welcome you to Christ Center Church. Thanks for being here this morning. Amen. All right. Um, let's go to my family. They don't, I don't know if they consider me family, but I consider them family. The Panton family. Amen. Mr. Winston is the leader of the Panton family. And um, Mr. Winston's father and my family are tight. So for those of you that are young, that's just coming around, the kids and grandkids, and um, Mr. Winston's father and my family was really, really tight. Um, I mean, his dad was, um, he was a pioneer in this area. And um, we were just tight. You know, when I first came from Jamaica, um, that's where we all went at his house and had dinner. And, you know, Mr. Johnny Panton was everybody's person. And so that's how we're connected. And so we've been connected for all these years. And so I am so glad to have all of you that have come to dedicate the babies. And so we're going to do that at the church today. We welcome you to Christ Center Church. Amen. There's a whole lot of names here. And I don't want to mess any of it up. We have Amber. We have um, Jermaine, right? We have um, Yashira. Ah. We, we know Winston and Dahlia. We have um, um, Chastity. Mm -hmm. um, Gerzel. Ah, I got it. And Tahola. All right, I got it all. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you. Amen. We also have, amen, where's Danielle? Danielle. Danielle, you're all the way in the back. I can't even see you. That's where they put you. Okay. All right. You're with the Pantons, Danielle. All right. Good. All right. So, Danielle, you're connected to me. If you're with the Pantons, you're connected to me some kind of way. If you're here, you're connected to me. Because the Eminem's already claimed them. They, 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 you know, you know. And I messed with de uh, granddad and told him I'm Spanish. Because I am. You know, and, 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 and grandson can't speak any Spanish. It's like our Jamaican kids and grandkids, we, they, they, they understand Patois, but they can't speak it. So we laugh at them. Well, that's, that's, that's Andre. <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, what do I have here? Etta? No? Yes? Where? Ah, nice to have you. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jan, where's Jan? Jan and Etta, nice to have you. 
Hallelujah. You're with the Eminence family too? My, you, you drove from the West Coast too? Well, you flew. West Coast is in the house. Nice to have you. They're from Tacoma, Washington. I told you I've been out to Seattle, Washington some years ago. Love the area. Um, Bellevue was where I hung out, and I love that area. Amen. So we thank God that. Trey, where's Trey Burgess? Trey? Trey. Amen. Have Nice to have you all the way in the back, and we're so glad that you were able to be here this morning. Anything at all I want to say to all of you, all of our guests, you know, um, make sure um, we're, we're going to love you up. So, you know, just understand, you know, we just love people. That, that's what we're all about. And we're, we, we just thank God for you. We're going to love you up. And if there's anything at all that we can do for you in your walk in Jesus Christ, please just let us know. Any kind of way we can help you get closer to Jesus, to know Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, to stay connected to Jesus, just let us know. We will be glad to be of assistance. We offer what we call um, home Bible studies, if you'd like. If you'd like us to come to your home, if you'd like us to do Bible study by Zoom, a personal Bible study. You don't have to. This is not. We have Bible studies on Thursday. That's corporate Bible study. If you want a personal Bible study, you can let us know, and we will do a personal Bible study for you or you and your family, whatever you'd like. We're committed to this. If you'd like us to come and pray at your home, whatever you'd like, we're here to serve the Lord. And when we serve the Lord, we serve you. And that's the only way to serve the Lord is by serving you. So whatever you need, just let us know. We'll be happy to assist. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. In the book of John, John chapter number four, familiar passage of scripture, but I feel like the Lord gave me a word for our church this morning to help us get into where he's taken us. God has a plan for us and he's taken us someplace. And if we will listen and if we will respond in faith and obedience, I believe God will do some great things. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to read the word of God. John chapter four, verse number three. Again, welcome all of you. Thank you for being here this morning. And I pray that you've already been blessed and that before you leave, you will feel even more blessed. John chapter 4, verse number 3. I will not keep you standing long, but at the opening of our scripture reading, we normally stand for the reading of the word. It says here in John chapter 4, verse number 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Sixth hour is 12 o'clock, 12 noon hour time. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said, said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Again, 12 o'clock. What's that? Lunchtime. So they were going to get lunch. He was at the well, and this woman rolled up on him, and he asked her for some water. Then said the woman of Samaria unto Jesus, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask it, drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Can I just squelch a notion? People of God are not always right. 
Some people say, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites. I don't mess with them Christian folks because they ain't right. Some aren't right. Like these folks here. They had issues with a different group of people. And so this is in our Bible. People that are supposed to fear God are having issues with some other group of people. Let's read on. Verse number 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I want to talk to you for a few moments today on this topic. The necessary actions. The necessary actions. Father, we love you. We thank you this morning for all that you've done, for what you're doing in the midst of this tabernacle this morning. Lord, I humble myself before you and ask that you will place me in the flow of your spirit. I ask that you will touch the hearts of your people this morning and that every person will receive from the word of the Lord. God, help us to not just be hearers, but to become doers of the word of God. Help us to respond in faith and obedience to the word of God. Speak to us, Lord. Will you demonstrate your power in this place, Lord God, that the people will not leave this place the same way they came in. Have your way today. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. The necessary actions. Jesus left Judea and started north for Galilee. He could have taken one of three possible ways when he left Judea to get to Galilee. He could have taken three different ways. He could have uh, went along the coast, across Jordan, and up through Perea, or straight through to Samaria. He could have went, up, went to one of those three ways on his way to Galilee. Orthodox Jews avoided Samaria because there was a long-standing, deep-seated hatred between them and the Samaritans. And so, for years, the Jews was avoiding going anywhere close to Samaria. The Jews would do everything they could to avoid Samaria. They didn't want to have any dealings with the people of Samaria. Again, we're talking about God-fearing people. So, when you think about that, just keep that in your mind and not get so, you know, astonished when you hear, well, they're Christians, but they did this. People that are God-fearing do things that is not good. People that are God-fearing do ungodly things. I'm not telling you it's right. I'm telling you they do. So we should never allow what a, a God-fearing individual do that's wrong sway us to not do right. What they say, two rights don't make a wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. Right? So we have to look at it from that standpoint. The Samaritans were a mixed race. They were part Jew and part Gentile. And that came from when they were in captivity, when the, 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 the ten northern cities, the tribes there, were, were held as captive around 727 B.C. They were rejected by the Jews because they could not prove their genealogy. Hmm. 
The Samaritans established their own temple and religious services on Mount Gerizim. This only fanned the fires of prejudice more. Their dislike was so intense for the Samaritans that some of the Pharisees prayed that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. So the Orthodox Jew avoided Samaria and the Samaritans. I'm just talking to you about plain life that sometimes we think does not exist because, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But life has always been life from the Garden of Eden till today. And so sometimes we want to believe that life should be somewhat different. No, since man sinned in the Garden of Eden till today, life has always been this way. And there's no need for us to become astonished or be frightened or be surprised by sometimes what life brings. Life will always be life, especially when we disobey the word of God. And so they've been avoiding Samaria for some long, long time, not going anywhere close to Samaria, not wanting to deal with the Samaritans, not wanting to have any relationship with the Samaritans. And we read in our text this morning that now Jesus decided that on his way to Galilee, he was going to go through Samaria. You're telling me, Jesus, you're going to go through Samaria? You're a Jew. Why, why are you going through Samaria? And so here I want to draw your attention to this. It's not always what the majority is doing that's right. We have to be careful and realize what the majority is doing is not always right. So because the majority say this is what we should be doing, it doesn't mean you should be doing that. You and I should be looking to do what's right, not what the majority is doing. Will there be times where the majority is doing right? Yes, but there are many times where the majority is not right. Will you go with the majority even though you know it's not right? Or will you go with what's right? Jesus, who is God manifest in flesh, decided that it's time. We're not going to keep this up. This is wrong because I, well, it didn't happen yet, but we know that God is for all people, not some people. God is for every culture, not some culture. Come on and help me in this place today. God is not for the good, but God is for everybody. It's not because you're doing good, God is for you. God is for everybody, whether they're doing good or they're doing bad. The question is, will you be for God? But God is for you. Yes, he is. So God is for everybody. And so the day came where he decided, I'm going to go against what has been the norm for the longest. And I'm going to go straight through Samaria. I don't care. I'm going through Samaria. And so the Lord Jesus understand or understood that he was on a divinely appointed schedule. Church, if you give your life to Christ, if you haven't do it, you need to do it. But if you give your life to Christ and you surrender to him and you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus name, God fill you with his spirit and you endeavor to live a holy and righteous life. You decide to live that life. I am telling you, you are living a divinely appointed scheduled life. 
It doesn't matter what you think. I am telling you how God does things. Once we step into Christ, we're stepping into a life of divinely appointed, scheduled life. God has everything laid out for you and me. God has everything in store for you and me. And he has a way of how he will do it. And it probably will not be how you think he will do it. But he has a scheduled life, appointed life for you and me. If you will trust him, if you will step into that life that he has for you, he will do an amazing work in your life. Divinely appointed, scheduled. It was time for Jesus to, to, to destroy what was wrong and what was ungodly. It was time for him to say, enough is enough. And if you are a child of God, you have that same right to say, Jesus, uh, will you help me to destroy what is ungodly and what is unrighteous? Enough is enough. I don't care what people will say about me as long as I stand up for righteousness. I am going to do what's right according to God. And that's it. Even if I become the minority. Even if I am not the most popular when I decide I am going to do what God wants me to do. We cannot try to please God and please the majority. It won't work. You can't please God and please the majority. You can only please God and God only if you set out to please him. We cannot please man and God. We have to please God. Help us, Holy Ghost. As a child of God, can I tell you today, you are on a divinely appointed schedule. You're not here this morning by coincidence. I'll show it to you in what we just looked at in the Word of God. I believe many Christians make the mistake of not understanding they are on a divinely appointed schedule. We underestimate that God wants to work in our life without ceasing. God just don't want to work in your life when you come to church. God just don't want to work in your life when you're praying. God just don't want to work in your life when you feel like, oh God, I need you. But God want to work in your life without ceasing. He wants to work in your life continually. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're driving in the car, whether you're just sitting down at the table and eating, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God wants to be involved in your life. There is no time in your life that God wished to not be a part unless you're sinning. That's the only time that God doesn't want to be a part of your life is if you're sinning. But as long as you are doing what is right, God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of everything. We don't understand relationship a lot of times, so we don't understand that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. If we humble ourselves and submit to God and allow him to guide us in every step of the way of our life, God will show us that our life is divinely appointed. You know, we grew up, we like to talk about, oh, that was such a good coincidence. It's coincidence when you're not living for God. But when you start living for God, no such thing as coincidence. It's divinely appointed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Bible says all things work together for good to them that love God, 
to them who are the called according to his purpose. So if you are a child of God, it doesn't matter if it's something that's considered bad. Guess what? God will work it for good. <laughs> it's divinely appointed. If we accept that our life is divinely appointed by the Lord Jesus, then we realize every instruction of the Lord are necessary for us to obey and follow. We can't overlook any of the word of God. We can't overlook any of the instructions of God because God is specific. God is detailed. God does not just say things just because. Everything that God says and does, it's for purpose. It has meaning and it produces fruit. That's the way God operates. And so for many of us, we live our life deciding what's important and what's not. You know why we live our life like that? Because from the very beginning, we didn't choose Christ. If we had to choose Christ from the very moment that we understood we need to choose Christ, we wouldn't be living our life trying to separate this from that. We wouldn't try to figure out, well, what's the most important and what's not? Because we would just live a life of Christ, which means everything is important. But when we try to say some of this is Christ and some of this is mine, we are going to have to decide, well, what's Christ and what's mine? And so we have to live the life to say what's important and what's not. But when you sell out to God and says all that I am and all that I will be is all up to you, Lord. I give myself to you. When we live our life like that, then guess what? We don't have to decide what's important and what's not. Everything is important. Pay attention to everything when you give your life to Christ. Uh huh. Everything has meaning when you give your life to Christ. And so, if God don't make mistakes, and if God is specific and detailed, then we need to follow every word. Every word of the Lord is necessary for us to follow and obey. None of it should be overlooked. None of it should be ignored. None of it should be changed. We need to obey the word of God and follow it according to his will. Somebody say amen. Amen. Can I say this to you? If we believe in God, we should also believe in the word of God. If we believe in God, we should also believe in the word of God. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You cannot separate God and his word. His word and him, they're synonymous. And so, if we believe in God, we have to believe in the word of God. There are some people that says, I believe in God, but you know, that Bible, man tampered with it. I think maybe one time I thought that too. Yeah, man, tampered with that, man. I don't know. But can I tell you this? God created us as rational beings. And if he created us as rational beings, surely he is interested in communicating with us, in having relationship with us. How do you suppose he will have relationship with us if we don't have his word? We need the word of God to have right relationship, to have right communication with God. And so his word is important. And so here we have the Bible, which is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. I got one yes, one yeah. Okay. I'm about to mess with you a little bit. 
I'm about to mess with you a little bit. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and see how you answer it. If the Bible is not God's word, whose word is it? If the Bible is not God's word, whose word is it? Nobody can answer? All right, I'll help you. Is the Bible authored by good people or good angels? Well, if good people or good angels authored the Bible, they would not lie and say it's God's inspired word or my inspired word. They wouldn't, they wouldn't lie and say it's my inspired word. If good people wrote the Bible, they would want to take credit for it and they wouldn't lie about it. Good people don't tell lies. So if, if, if the Bible was authored by good people or by good angels, they would make sure they let you know it's my word. Because they're not going to lie. Yeah. They wrote, it's the inspired word of God. You think good people are going to tell you the words that they're writing is an inspired word from God when it's their word? They can't be good then. Why, why would we call them good? They're not honest. So good people didn't author the Bible. How about evil people and evil angels? Did they author the Bible? Interesting. Well, evil people and evil angels would not tell you anything moral that's good. Nothing morally good. Evil people don't tell you nothing morally good. I have proof of that right now. You look at our moral standing in this world and you tell me if it's good. I'm not talking about you all that's... um. You know, in your 20s or in your teens, you, you might not know some stuff. But for those of us that have lived a little bit, you know what good morality was. And you know what we're saying good morality is today. And you know we have slipped. And you know what's interesting? Who started morality? Where did morality come from? Anybody want to take a shot at that? How did we first start practicing good morality? Where did we get that from? So evil people would not try to promote good morality. So evil people and evil angels didn't write the Bible because they wouldn't promote good morality. And good people and good angels couldn't have wrote the Bible because then they, they wouldn't lie and say it's the inspired word of God because they're good people. They wouldn't tell you something that's, lie, that's a lie if they're good people, right? So we come to the conclusion that the word of God is authored by God. He used people to pencil it. And this is where some people have problems because he used people to do it. Can I tell you this? I, I, I know we worried about that, but I will tell you this. He used people because God will always use people. From the very beginning, he's been into people. He created people. So he's not a God that just wants to do everything himself and let it be about himself. He will always include people. And so what he did was he allowed people to pen to write his word the people that wrote his word they wrote it knowing that they have certain experiences in life they're from certain culture groups 
uh, uh, they have certain kind of education. And so the people that penned the word of God used words that they were familiar with, that they understand, that they know. And so they used those words to write what God tell them to write. But here is the thing you don't want to miss. The message was God's message. And God made sure no matter how much man wrote his word, his message never changed. So we should by now understand, okay, I, I get a clear picture. So you want to, man wrote the Bible. Yeah, I, 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 so many times, Mr. Panton, I, 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 people say, man wrote the Bible. You know what's my response? I said, yeah. I said, but God authored it. And then he, then he gets stuck like, uh, uh, yeah, man wrote the Bible. How else was it going to be written? You know, how was we get pen to paper? You know, God was supposed to just keep writing, keep writing? No, he, he included us. So, yes, man wrote the Bible, but God authored it. And it's God's message. It's God's word. And so today when we read this Bible, we're reading God's word, the very word of God. We might write it according to how we understand it, but the bottom line is God's message is in his word, and his word cannot change. His message will never change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His message is true, and it will never change. So if that's true, why aren't we obeying all of it? If God is as good as we say he is, if God is as powerful as we say he is, if God is omnipresent, meaning he's present everywhere, and he is, and if God is all-knowing, meaning he knows everything, he knows the thoughts before you get those thoughts. So whatever thoughts that you have, he knew you were getting them before you got them. The Bible says God knows every strand of hair on your head by number. God knows everything. So if God knows everything, why wouldn't I listen to everything he says? Why do I decide I'm going to take some and leave some out? Because you've got to realize we will never know and understand everything God knows and understands. This is why God said we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the knowledge of who God is. Once you know you can trust God, then whatever he tells you, just do it. You just got to get to the place to know him. You got to get to the place to understand who God is. And once you know, you know I'm taking him out of his word. I don't have to understand all of it. I don't know. I don't need to understand how to put it all together and how to explain all of it. I just know I trust the man, almighty God. And because I trust him, whatever he says, that's what I'm doing. You know what's interesting? We do that in our regular life. When you finally find somebody you can trust, they word is gold to you. Don't lie to yourself. All of us have people in our life that we feel like, man, I trust that person so much that whatever they say, I trust what they're saying. Well, God is sitting there saying, what, well, what about me? I created them. Don't, shouldn't you trust everything I say? Huh? The Bible must have preeminence in all areas of life. We cannot make an arbitrary distinction between the secular and the sacred and follow the Bible only in latter category. All of our life is spiritual and all of it must come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We can't ignore any of it. Can I tell you a little secret? We need to live our life and say this. I'd rather you live your life saying this. Lord, I want to learn how to follow you completely. 
Why am I telling you that, church? I'm telling you that so you don't live as a Christian getting into a habit of dismissing and ignoring certain portions of God's word. Understand that there's some of God's word you and I are not yet living. And say, God, there's so much of your word that I'm not living, but I plan to live all of it. I need you to help me to live all of it. I don't want to just live some of it and be content living some of it. I want to live all of it because all of God's word is necessary for us to have eternal life. Not some of it. So I need to live all of God's word. Let's not, let's not just, oh, by the way, and, and treat God's word like that and, and, and put in our mind almost like, I'm okay with this, but ah, that's not that important. Because God's word, all of it is important. We don't want to just say some of it is important. And we can get ourselves into a routine in living for God, just ignoring certain things and just following certain things and not realizing that the things that we're not following could be detrimental to our relationship with God, could be detrimental to our eternal life in Christ Jesus. All of it is necessary, not some of it. You know, this is interesting. When God's people, Israel was in, in uh, Egypt for over 400 years. They were in bondage. And they were there for over 400 years. The day come where it was time for them to be delivered from that slavery, from that, from that stronghold, from, from being in Egypt all that time. And when it was time to go, the interesting thing is God told them what to do. He told them everything they needed to do to get out of that bondage that they were in for over 400 years. Can I tell you, church, if they did anything other than what he told them, they wasn't getting out. There's some people that think that you you can be saved any kind of way. How many different ways did he tell the, 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 the Israelites um, how many ways did he tell them to take to get out of uh, Egypt? Did he tell them to take three different ways? Did he tell them to take two ways, two different ways? There was only one way he told them to get out of Egypt. He only told them to use one way. He didn't tell them, well, go up here. Nah, you can go that way or that way. He did not say it's either or. He did not tell them either or to get out of Egypt. He told them one way. If you didn't go that way, you were not getting out. You were not getting free if you didn't go the one way, he told them. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says here, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. I'm not going to keep you here all day, but church, I can't tell you how I have been consumed with this word that I'm preaching to you this morning. I am so consumed by it because I am watching and seeing how God's ways, how his ways are comparing to what we think they should be, are comparing to our own ways. I'm like, God, help us to realize that you operate on a total different way. He told them, he says, don't go the way of the land of the Philistines, even though you can look and see that that's a closer way to go. He says, no, don't go that way. He says, for God said. 
Lest peradventure the people repent, mean regret, when they see war and they return to Egypt. When God tells you something, he knows what's ahead. God don't tell you something just to tell you something. He's telling you something knowing every step of the way what will occur. Everything God tells you, he knows the next step and the next situation and the next thing that will unfold. He knows. He knows. He knows every single thing that will happen next. You and I do not know what will happen next if we make moves on our own. We don't know what will happen next. But if we listen to God, he knows what will happen next. He says, but go. In verse 18, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the sea, the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now watch this. You ready? Exodus 14 and 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Lord spoke unto the pastor, just just so we can bring it to our, the Lord spake spake unto the pastor. And said, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pihohiroth, Migdal, and the sea over against Baal Zephon before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh, here it is. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness had shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, and the Egyptian may know that I am the Lord, and I did so. The Lord knew all along, church, I don't know where I'm going to go with this today. The Lord knew all along that enough was enough of how the Egyptians were treating the Israelites. But let me tell you how good God is. A lot of people don't know this. The Lord allowed Israel to be in slavery for many years. He could have rescued them before the time. He could have. But the Egyptians were so intertwined and, and, and deep down rooted into the worship of their false gods and their idols that God wanted to bring the Egyptians out of idol worship as well. I get pushed back a lot of times when I start to talk about, I said this, and some people frown and shrug. I said, man, we need to pray for Ukraine and, and pray that God will keep them. I said, but we also need to pray for the Russians. And everybody just shrugged. What's up with this pastor? Man, I ain't messing with this pastor. He crazy. How can he say that? Look what the man doing. Look what Putin doing. I hear you. I'm trying to be like Jesus. You can be who you want to be like. I am I'm trying to be like Jesus. And the Egyptians that had the children of Israel captive, God was trying to save them. Read your Bible. God was trying to save the people who was making the other slaves. 
He says, I'm going to deliver the people from slavery, but I'm also going to try to save the ones that were ignorant, that were trying to captivate, that, that's trying to keep them captive in slavery. I want to reach both. I'm not just trying to reach the ones that need deliverance. I'm trying to reach the ones that's ignorant, that don't need, they don't, that don't know they need deliverance. And so he tried his best. All of the stuff that you read in the Bible that it says that by night it was um, a, a pillar of fire and by day it was a cloud. All of that was God showing and demonstrating his power to Pharaoh and his people. So they would say, our God is not the real God. Their God is God. By the time they realized that, that Moses and the children of Israel, God was God, they were swallowed up in the Red Sea. It was too late. Your sin will lead you to destruction. This is why the Bible says, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. You might think that you're doing okay in a sinful way that you're living and think that God is okay with it. But what God is trying to do to all of us that are indulging in sin is open our eyes for us to come and realize who he is and trust him and surrender our life to him so he can deliver us from sin. But he is not trying to condone your sin. Make no mistake about it. God is not trying to condone our sin. He wants to deliver us from sin. And so we must hear and respond to God and not just think that we should be okay keep living wrong no 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 the Egyptians they was God was trying to show them you're serving idols you're worshiping idols you're not worshiping the true God and so that's why God was doing all the stuff where he made their their rivers turn into blood and God was doing all the things all the the ten plagues that God sent he didn't send the plagues because he wanted to send plagues he sent the plagues to open their eyes that he was the real God and their gods was not God did you realize that so when God delivered his people out of out of slavery he told them exactly where to go because he knew the Egyptian was going to follow them. And while the Egyptian was following them, grace will have the last word in your life, but it's still up to you. Grace will have the last word in your life, but it's still up to you. What do you mean by that, preacher? Meaning God will always extend his favor to you, but you have to respond in obedience. And so while they were chasing up that after the Israelites, God was showing his power in the sky and they wouldn't stop and say, you know what? I'm not messing with them. They are. They, they are protected. They, they, they are. They are protected by God. They are favored by God. I'm going to leave them alone because they got they, they've got the real God. We don't have the real God, but they wouldn't give in. And their sins led them into the Red Sea to be swallowed up. Will you allow your sin to lead you to the Red Sea and swallow you up? We can't overlook the details of what God has given us in his word. We have to hold on to the details. We have to trust the details. We have to obey God's word. Every bit of it can't overlook any of it. That's why we pray, God, help me to live out every portion of your word. The one, the, the, the part of it that I'm overlooking, the, the, the part that I'm rejecting, the part that I'm being disobedient to, help me to live that part, Lord. Help me to incorporate your word into my life that can live a life that is pleasing unto you, God. And so I'll close here. We started out in the text of John chapter 4, verse 4, where it says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Can I tell you this? Jesus did not need 
to go through Samaria. But he knew it was necessary to go through Samaria. If you didn't get anything else I said today, I want you to get this. Stop looking at your life and the word of God and decide what you think is important. Because what you think is important to God, he is dealing with what's necessary. Whatever God is taking you through in your life, it's necessary. Whatever God is allowed to come into your life, it's necessary. You might look at it as, oh my God, what is he doing? No, it's necessary. Now, don't get it twisted. Some of us have brought some things in our life that had nothing to do with God. We just did wrong and brought it in our life. And we're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to deal with that. Just pray and say, God, help me to deal with the things I've just brought into my life. But there are some things that God allow you to get to, to, to go through in your life. That's a God thing. And God allow those things to happen because God has a plan for your life. And the plan that he has, you need, it's necessary for you to go through what you're going through. Stop saying, Christian people do this a lot. Stop saying all of that ain't necessary. How do you know? How do you know that all of that is not necessary? If what I'm doing, there's a biblical text. The word of God is written for me to see that what I'm doing is necessary. How are we going to say that's not necessary? Why, why are we saying that's not necessary? Do we know what's coming next? Do we know what's coming right after that? Do we know what's coming right after that? Because if we don't, we cannot say it's not necessary. Everything God says is necessary. But we keep ignoring certain things because in our mind, that's not necessary. And my question is, how can an intelligent Christian say that's not necessary? In the word of God. Because when you say that, you're not being intelligent anymore. Because when you say that, what you're saying is, I know the outcome. That's what you're saying. I know the outcome, so that's not necessary. I'm not doing that because I know the outcome. I don't know the outcome. So everything God showed me, everything God tells me, everything God instruct me to do, I'm doing it, whether it's necessary, whether this little bitty mind that thinks it's so smart think it's necessary or not. Later for me, I'm trusting the word of God because what God says, that's what's necessary. Stand with me. Listen to me. He did not have to go through Samaria. But it was necessary that he go through Samaria. Because I want you to hear me good. Don't lose your focus. Hear me good. You know how necessary it was to go through Samaria? Talk to my young man right here. He looked astute. Nice glasses on. Let me tell you why it was necessary for Jesus to go through Samaria. There was a lady. There was a lady. She was divorced five times. And Obviously, she probably got tired of being married, so she started living with a dude. Five times she got divorced. Sixth person she was living with. She's like, I'm tired of marrying them dudes. They always kick me to the curb, so I'm just going to live with this guy. And if he want to go, he can go whenever he want to go. I'm not going through no divorce court no more. So five times divorced. One time now she's shacking up with the guy. She was going to the well 
at 12 noon because nobody else go to the well at 12 noon. Back in those days, young man, it wasn't like our world today. If you got divorced one time, you was nobody. You was a mess. Two times? Mess. Can you imagine five times back in that world? They must have treated her like she was the plague. And so because of that, whatever she did, she had to do it. You know, she had to hide and do it. Back in the day when we messed up, we kind of hide our sins. Today, we don't hide our sins. We're just like, here I am. I don't care. But back in the day, something go wrong in your house. Tiptoe. You don't want nobody to know. So I can imagine this lady was living her life always in the shadows. And so she went to the well at 12 noon to go get her water. Everybody else go to the well either early morning or late evening. Nobody go to the well at midday. Lunchtime. I got to go eat. She goes to the well and guess what? She finds Jesus sitting on the well. Jesus could have went to Galilee and never ever went through Samaria. But he knew about that lady because he was God in the flesh. He knew that lady, how she'd been treated and mistreated for so long. And he says, no more will I'm gonna, am I going to allow that lady to be mistreated and treated. I'm going to give her hope. I'm going to heal her. I'm going to deliver her. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through Samaria even though that kind of is inconvenient. I'm going through Samaria. And he sat on that well till she rolled upon him and he started talking to her. He talked to her until she figured out, man, this is the Messiah that we've been praying about. And when she talked to him and realized he was the Messiah, guess what she did? She went to the village in Samaria and told everybody, y'all have to come see a man that told me everything about my life. A whole village got saved because he was inconvenienced by going through a place that nobody wanted to go through. A whole village, a lady that nobody liked, that nobody gave any attention to, she got an opportunity to be saved, all because Jesus decided, I don't care how much I'm inconvenienced. I don't care how much uh, this is going to be a challenge and the things that we got to do. I am going through Samaria because somebody needs me. Somebody needs me. And if you need Jesus, he knows just where you are. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I need you. Somebody needed Jesus. So he went. She had the opportunity to be saved. And a whole village had an opportunity to be saved. Church, I'm telling you. We cannot live for God trying to do the bare minimum. We cannot live for God in trying to... Not to be inconvenienced. I see it a whole lot that we try to live for God and we're saying, I don't want to be inconvenienced, so I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. That's too much, that's too much. I can't do all of that. I don't take all of that to live for God. Okay. And my question is, how do you know? Do you know the next thing that's going to happen when you do or don't do? Do you know the next thing that's going to happen when you do or you don't do? Or you're going to understand that God is all-knowing. And whatever he says, he knows what the next thing is. And what the next thing is good for you. Whatever it is that he tells you to do, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They're good thoughts. There is no evil in God concerning you. He didn't create you and die for you to do evil to you. So every single thing that God wants to do in your life is good for you. Whether it looks like that initially or not, it doesn't matter. He has good thoughts and everything that he wants to do in your life is good for you. 
But the question or the challenge that you are faced with, are you going to just ignore it, reject it, and say, ah, that's inconvenience, ah. The Bible says we must be born again of the warning of the Spirit, not just confess and believe. And a lot of people confess and believe. Why? That's convenient. A lot of people says, oh, I was baptized when I was a kid. That's convenient. But when the preacher tells you, the word of God says you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Because nobody was ever baptized like that. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus. You realize that and you said, oh, I got baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? If you got baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you've got to get rebaptized. And here is where the problem comes in. That ain't necessary. Why well, I got to do that? That ain't necessary. I got baptized when I was a kid. Every word of God is specific, is detailed. It's not just fluff. It's not fluff. So whatever God says, that's what we need to do if we, experience, if we want to experience godly outcomes. We cannot experience godly outcomes for our life by ignoring and, and rejecting and only doing the word that I like and what I think I should do. That ain't necessary. Oh, I don't think we got to do all of that. If you know all the outcome, then you can say that. And I got to tell you, I don't know all the outcomes. And I don't think all any of us in here know all the outcome. All we need to do is to obey God's word, whether we understand it or we don't. We need to get our Bibles and read this thing and just obey it, follow it, whether we like it or we don't. When I study the word of God and there's words that I come across or scriptures I come across that challenge me, that is something I'm not doing and I need to do, I said, oof. All right, Lord. And I stop right then and there and start praying. Lord, help me to see the way you see. For many years, I prayed this prayer. Lord, let me see people like you see them. Because I did not want to see anybody and let, let them do any actions that make me say, mm, I don't know about all that. I did not want to have any bad attitude toward anyone for anything they did. So I prayed, God, help me to see people the way you see them. And surely he has done that for me. Because every one of you that are in here today and everybody that I encounter, this is what God has teach me or taught me how to look at people. You know how he taught me to look at people? Every time I see you, I see potential. Every time I see you, I see potential. I never, ever will worry about anything negative you do. I could care less. I have counseled people, and they wanted to dwell on the problems. But pastor, and they kept going, because I'm, I'm, and, and, I move on quickly. You know why I move on quickly? Because I see your potential. And if you dwell on the problem, you can't move forward. Did you know that? So God, help me now, because I prayed that prayer for so long that when I see you, I just see potential. I see what God can do in your life. I see where God can take you in your life. I see what you can be in God. That's what I see. I can't see anything else because it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters but who you are in Christ. So it's important that when you pick this up and you come across anything that you're not doing, start praying about it. God, I'm not doing that. I need to start doing that. Don't just 
give up because you're not doing one thing, two things, or 50 things. Little by little. This race that we're in is a journey. It's not a sprint. You're not going to get it together right away. None of us can circumvent the process. We all have to go through it. So just trust the Lord and keep walking. Every time you realize your mistake, confess, repent, and ask God to help you to move forward. But we must obey everything in this book. There's nothing random in this thing. The mountain or the area that God stopped in when the Lord Jesus was going to Galilee, he stopped. He never got to, I don't know if you realize it when you read, he never got to Samaria. He never did until it was time to leave. What he did was he stopped in Sychar, which was a little village before you get to the city of Samaria. That's where the well was. And, and, and that area is where they call Shechem. That's where uh, uh, back in the day where Joshua and, and, and back in the day with Abraham and them, that, that, that's the area where they were back in the day. And a matter of fact, Joshua had the people of Israel renew their covenant with God back in that area where they call Sychar. It was the area where Shechem was. And that's where they had got the well. I don't know if you read your Bible. You know back then, that's where the well was established. They renewed their, their covenant with God in that area. Later on, other people came and tried to destroy it and, and, and make it out to be, you know, things that are ungodly. Whenever God started working you, the devil is going to try to come and make you curse God in the way you live for God. Don't let him do it to you. Make up in your mind to live for God. And when you make a mistake, this is what the devil don't like. This is what this is what the devil don't like. Because God shed his blood to cover your sin. The devil don't like that you can mess up and go to God and say, God, I messed up. Will you forgive me of my sin? The devil can't go to God and pray that prayer and God forgive him. So you don't have to feed feel guilty when you do wrong just go and say to God I realize I've done wrong Lord will you forgive me and God will forgive you remember he died for your sins he shed his blood for your sins so he will forgive you the devil cannot do that so what the devil does is every time you do wrong he tries to make you feel guilty and walk around with guilt and keep doing wrong because as long as you're walking around with guilt you will not stop you will just keep on doing wrong because you're going to say I messed up anyhow I might as well just keep on going that's what the devil wants you to think. But that's because he can never get it right. He is going into the lake of fire and there's nothing he can do about it. He's done. So you know misery love company. Misery love company. And so the devil is trying to get you to be companion with him in the lake of fire. That's what this is all about. So I want you today, if you have never made a commitment to God to live for him, I want you to make that commitment today. I want you to give your life to God today. Surrender. Be born again. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name. God will fill you with his spirit. Give your life to God today. If you're a Christian, you might want to renew your covenant and your commitment to God today that you are going to obey his word, all of it, and not just some of it. Will you do that? Will you pray about that with me today? If you'd like to come, those of you who would like to come to the altar, come to the altar. Those of you uh, that just want to pray where you are, you can. But let's pray together. Let's recommit ourselves to God in obeying every single word. 
Let's recommit ourselves today and say we want to live for God and not just go through the motions. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every person in this house today, Lord. You have brought us together for such a time as this, Lord Jesus. And Lord, your word is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord God. And Father, we cannot make it without being obedient to the word of God. Lord, we've come today to renew our covenant in you. Many of us have been born again of the water and of the spirit. We have been baptized in your name. We have your spirit. But Lord, we have gone off track or we haven't been committed and faithful to the word of God. But we've come today to say, Lord, we humble ourselves. We submit to you and we commit our ways in obeying every word of the Lord. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will have your way in us. Help us to live this word. Help us to live out the scriptures, Lord God, and not just be hearers of the scriptures, but help us to live the scriptures out in its entirety, Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Jesus, will you help us today? Father, for somebody that is in this place today that have not surrendered your life, they have not been born again of the water and of the Spirit. Will you touch them today that they will say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I give myself to you. I will be born again. I will surrender my life. I am not worried about inconvenience. I will do what's necessary to please you. Oh, help us, oh God. Somebody hear me today. You might have been baptized when you were a baby. You need to get rebaptized. You might have been baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You need to get rebaptized. Don't look at it as inconvenience, but look at it as the Word of God. And it's necessary. It's necessary. Oh, God, help us today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give ourselves to you today. Oh, God, have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our mind, our thoughts, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. Will you lift your hands one time, one more time before you leave here and just worship the Lord and tell him thank you. Tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. Tell him thank you, Lord. I love you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I humble myself before you and I surrender unto you, Lord God. For my life is not my own. I belong to you. I give myself to you. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Life is not my own. Life is not my own. To you, I belong. To you. I give myself, Lord, I give myself. I give myself, I give myself to you. I give myself, give myself away. Oh, oh, oh. Give myself away. It's only you. It's only you. Church, I love you. I thank God for you. You've heard from the Lord today. You've been touched by his spirit. Let your life be different from this day on. Let something be different about you. Let your pursuit of Jesus be more intense, be more specific. If you're not 
a regular attendee in church, find the church that preaches truth and be faithful there. But trust God. Surrender your life to God. If you haven't been born again, you need to get born again. You don't need to put that off. You can't just take for granted that, well, God understands. Can I tell you this? Don't tell God you're doing your best. All God wants you to do is what he tells you to do. And God has not asked you to do anything that you cannot do. So just commit to him you're going to do what he wants you to do. You just need him to help you. Father, bless your people today. As we go from this place today, will you keep your hands upon us? I pray your protection. I pray your provision. I pray your peace, that your joy will flood their soul. And, oh, God, that you'll keep them from all harm and all danger. But most importantly, Lord God, I pray that you will draw them nigh to you. I pray that their life will be changed by the power of your spirit and the authority of your word. Help us today, Lord God, to not be the same. Raise us up in you, Lord God, to know you, to draw nigh unto you, to live for you, and to be a light in this dark world. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your grace, your kindness. As we dismiss this service, we pray your, your hands will be upon us and your protection as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Be kind to one another. Greet somebody. Love somebody. I love you. More importantly, God loves you. Have a great rest of your day.